Welcome to Talk South Asian to Me. My name is Michelle. And my name is Anusha. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central and hear us react to each other's stories about mental health and growing up in different South Asian households. And remember, this podcast is not therapy. Engage with what feels entertaining and resonates with you and leave what doesn't. Woohoo! You ready? I'm ready. Do you want to start us off with our topic of the day? <gasps> Ooh, that's an honor because you're leading this episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. Should we do a little silent drum roll? Drum roll. That wasn't very silent okay, so on my part. We're already on letter V, which is insane. Insane. <laughs> um, it is venting. Venting. We've all been guilty of this one. So let's find right. out. What is it all about venting? What can we say today that's going to fill our podcast? We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so venting. I thought that we could start today with, as usual, defining venting. Um, right. But before I do jump into the definition of venting, I'm curious, this research, I had okay. an idea of what I thought the research would look like and I finished and I had a very different research oh. in hand. So okay. what do you, Michelle, think venting is? Do you think venting is good? Do you think it's bad? Do you think it's like both? I don't know. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I think I think it's not good nor bad. Like I think mm-hmm. it's neutral. Mm-hmm. It's a form of expression in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think how and when you use this form of expression matters more. Mm, good answer. So the research. So I think the research, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of like, you know, methodology and scientific research. I'm not sure if there will be. I haven't, I haven't looked into it. So it'll be a learning, learning curve for me. But I think there might be more articles about it. There might be different opinions about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> but I think it's just a, a coping mechanism or a form of expression. That's what, in my yeah. opinion, venting is. Yeah. And you're totally right. There was a little bit of a debate. Some articles were like, mm. venting is healthy, good for you, productive, necessary some articles were like the research on that does not show that venting is not great venting is blah 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 you know so that's why i think Mm. it's so important to define it but before i do define it i'm curious to know what do you think about venting being productive or not productive i don't know i feel like this is a trick question i feel like it depends Mm, it is a trick question (laughs) Right? You're like, ooh, it is a trick question, Michelle. <laughs> Look at you. I think it ahead. just depends. I think it just depends, mm. again, on like what is the purpose of venting? What, mm. like, what's your intention? Right? Like, what is, you know, do you have an end goal in mind when you're venting? Right? Like, all these different things play yeah. into this circumstance or like venting when it comes yeah. to it, whether it would be productive or not mm-hmm. my th- those 100%. are my thoughts those are some very well thought out thoughts <laughs> oh thank you thank that you. was some good critical thinking round of applause <laughs> thank you thank you thank you when i, appreciate I was it. looking into it i was not thinking critically like you were Mm-mm. my immediate mm-hmm. reaction to venting was oh yeah venting yeah, that's not productive. That's not a good way of communicating. We need to be processing things, not venting. Mm. Okay. Well, here we go with the research. You ready for this? Yeah. Well, well before so. you still – mm-hmm. it's very valid on how you feel because I feel like in movies, social media, venting mm-hmm. is portrayed that way. Yes, it, it is. It's kind of portrayed exactly. in a way that like, oh, it's very unproductive and it's kind of – undesirable almost when someone's venting and then everybody else is like oh she's talking about this all the time or he's going off again yeah right right it's portrayed that way yeah exactly and that's kind of how I gave meaning to that word venting as well um Mm -hmm. so when I 
was doing the research and I saw these articles kind of both on both sides of it. Venting is good for you. It's helpful. It's productive. Venting mm-hmm. is not good. It's not helpful. You know, all of those things. I think the discrepancy there, because I, when I read through both sides of the argument for that one, mm-hmm. the discrepancy there was in how you define venting. Because at the end of the day, they both said the same exact conclusions, which you already hinted at, which I'll which I'll see in a minute. But it's it's the way that we define venting. So venting right. as defined by one particular blog on a, a mental health site called Found Care says that venting is a healthy and helpful exchange between two people. A healthy venting session occurs when the listener supports the person venting by offering supportive responses, empathy for their situation, and actively listens. Can you repeat those three things again? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So a healthy venting session occurs when the listener supports the person venting by offering supportive responses, empathy for their situation, and actively listens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like healthy, healthy, healthy venting. venting. Okay. Right. Which I love the way that that is said, healthy venting, because again, it points like to that, that thing that we talk about all the time, how nothing is good or bad. It's on a spectrum of like the most healthiest to the not so healthy. And then right. it falls somewhere in between. <laughs> right. Right. So basically, someone who engages in venting is aware of the emotional state of the listener, right? They're self-reflective rather than reactive and defensive. Okay. They are at least open to feedback or actively seeking a solution. So when you vent, you're not necessarily looking to vent in the heat of the moment, that's unhealthy venting, unproductive venting. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? You know, right? That makes it's sense. still venting, but your intention with that venting—that's what makes it healthy versus unhealthy. Yep, that makes that makes sense to me. Yeah, right? like how, like what your goal or your intention is when you're venting—that matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you're coming at it from a place of, okay, this is what happened and like this is how I feel about it and what uh, what am I going to do? I'm so confused. And you're like open to that feedback. Mm-hmm. You're, right. you're coming at it from a more solution-focused, introspective, um, curious mindset, productive, healthy, mm-hmm. great kind of venting. Um, but when we're coming at it from sometimes, which we – I mean, it's okay to feel this way, but like when we're coming at it from a place of I'm just too mad still and I can't like I don't even want feedback. I just want to be mad and I want everybody to be mad with me. That doesn't benefit us. Right. Yeah. It's not really aware of the other person's emotional state, right? Like you don't want to kind of transfer your stress and your emotions to the other person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which brings me to the second part of this equation the other side of venting, which is emotional dumping. <laughs> emotional Ooh, I have heard dumping. Of that. Yeah. Is yeah, that emotional... related to like trauma dumping? Like, Yes, it is. Or is that different? Okay. No, it, they're heard... similar. The concept is basically the same. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is that in trauma dumping, people tend to be what you call, um, what I've heard people call, uh, what is it? Um, energy vampires. You know, when you just feel so drained having talking to that person. Right. Um, Basically, the idea is that you unconsciously or consciously share your feelings or your thoughts or your perspective or whatever's going on with you, your situation, without any awareness of whether that person is in an emotional state to have and hold this capacity for you. Without Mm -hmm. any awareness of what their emotional needs are. You just kind of, well, this is what's going on with me and I need you to be here. So, boom, here it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Emotional dumping, you know, typically occurs when you are in that heightened reactive state, when you're just like freshly triggered, um, which is why it's important to like take a pause and like regulate first, get some distance first. Right. And process first. Process your own thoughts and emotions first. Mm-hmm. And then productively vent. <laughs> right. That makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, like sometimes people use venting 
as mm-hmm. a way to process. Yeah, and that's totally okay. So, you know, sometimes if that's yeah. how people process, it's kind of like, you know, writing down your thoughts, right? Sometimes people right. can journal. That's how you process. Sometimes people need a person to bounce ideas off of and process that right. way. And, like, that's totally healthy uh, venting still. Where it becomes emotional dumping is when you're not seeking any feedback, you have no desire for solution, and you're basically talking at the person and just want to vent. Okay. Yeah. So you're not talking to process, you're talking to just expel this anger and this this thought and this feeling and like just boom, boom, boom. Don't care about yeah. anything else. No thoughts. No feedback. No processing. Mm-hmm. No solutions. Nothing. Okay. Um, so to give you an idea, you know, kind of further really highlight this, what does signs of emotional dumping look like? You know, it's like I said, mm-hmm. when you feel like you just, you know, spent time with an energy vampire, you just feel so spent and used and yeah. underappreciated or like just kind of like maybe you were in a neutral place, but now you suddenly are a little bit like wired and stressed out um, mm-hmm. after the conversation. That's kind of signs of emotional dumping. Mm-hmm. Um, other things is like, you know, when the person, your friend or loved one or whoever calls or texts you repeatedly about their problem, but doesn't kind of mm-hmm. pause to see like, hey, how are you doing? It's more, I need you. This happened. Okay, I got to go by. Like it's about that. One way. Yeah, yeah very one, one way. way. Yeah. Um, and if you find an opening and you see some patterns and you are trying to provide some, you know, constructive feedback, if they get really – you know, like defensive and like they shut it down, they ignore you, they don't want to talk about it, but they still come back to you and expect you to be quote unquote the therapist for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's when they can start feeling really heavy and like almost like you kind of want to avoid this person. That's Those are typically right. signs of um, being emotionally dumped on. Mm-hmm. And really the only thing to do with situations like that is to set boundaries. Yes. Now, when I say that, I I want to make it clear. I don't mean like cut this person off and like don't talk to them about their problems, ignore their problems, only be there for the good times. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it's about recognizing that you're allowed to have some space to be ready to hold space for them. You can't just be like on the drop of a hat, be ready to hold that space no matter what's going on in your life. So it's okay to say, you know, things like, hey, I understand you're really hurt right now and I want to be there for you, but I just, I'm not in the headspace right now in this moment for that. Can I call you back tomorrow? Are you free then? Even if it's like a delay of an hour a day or like a couple of minutes just to get in that headspace so that you can hold space for them. Right. Um, And, you know, if this is something that you notice repetitively happen, which I think we all have had some friends or somebody who's, you know, mm-hmm. had repeated problems of some kind, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay to also be able to have a boundary. Something like, hey, I noticed the situation keeps happening. It feels a little bit beyond me. Like, have you thought about maybe mm-hmm. reaching out for guidance from, you know, a therapist or a counselor who can help yeah. you work through this? Yeah. For those moments when it just feels like this person keeps going through the same thing, not a lot is changing, and maybe they're trying to receive feedback, maybe they're not. Mm-hmm. It's okay to recognize you don't have to be the therapist in you know, your friend group. We get paid for that. Send right. them over to somebody who gets paid. <laughs> right. You know? right. Um, however, on the other side, healthy venting signs can look like um, when your emotional well-being is considered. You know, when you're allowed to decide, hey, I have something to get off my chest. I have something to talk through. Do you have a second now to talk about it? Can we talk about it? Maybe sometime this week, can you let me know when you're free? That's a sign of healthy venting. They're giving you space and time to show up for them. And also they'll be taking that space and time to gather a little bit more distance from the situation and continue to process their thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, other signs? Makes sense. You know, having the opportunity to provide feedback, the opportunity to be listened to you know in, in your perspective you know being able to ask like I don't know if this is what's going on in my situation and like I don't know what, what would you do what is your fresh set of eyes telling you about the situation you know being able mm-hmm. to take this feedback and give opportunity for 
a two-way conversation. Right. It's not one way. Yeah. So that's, I think, the most important thing to recognize in terms of our conversation today about like venting is venting itself, again, not bad. But there is a way to productively, healthily vent in an unhealthy way that tends to lean towards emotional dumping. Mm -hmm. And that's important to, I think, highlight because oftentimes I think what I often hear, and like I'm guilty of this too in the past, is sometimes we don't want to like burden our friends, burden our family members. So then we don't bring up things that are bothering us or things that we want people to, you know, to provide feedback on. And I think it's worth noting that these are the moments, these are the conversations that actually build connection and intimacy, like emotional intimacy between people. Right. That's a wonderful, important thing to have. This is how you connect with people over shared Mm -hmm. um, struggles and like problem solving together. And it like, it's a vital piece of connections. It's a vital piece of Mm -hmm. friendships, of relationships. So venting itself is not a bad thing. It only becomes, Mm -hmm. you know, that feeling of, I don't want to burden them and I don't want to, okay, well, let's practice healthy venting instead of, you know, emotionally dumping on people. I think that is an important distinction that can help some of the people pleasers out there like ourselves. Yes. Recognize (laughs) there is a time and place for leaning on others, but just Mm -hmm. be cautious or not cautious, be conscious and aware of how you go about it, with what intention you go right. about it. Yeah. Right. Um, then I also read another article. I was doing my deep dive, you know, you know how I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And I found this other article by Greater Good Magazine written by Jill mm-hmm. Suddy. She is a okay. um, psychologist. And okay. in her article, Does Venting Your Feelings Actually Help?, She talks about how letting your negative emotions out feels good in the moment, Mm -hmm. but science suggests that it might make matters worse in the long run. So what this particular statement is talking about, um, let me break that up for a second, is essentially back in the day, not too long ago, but back in the day, I say it like I'm super old. um, You're not old. Psychologists (laughs) used to believe that Um, And maybe you've heard it too, like, you know, like, we need to cathart it. We need to have catharsis. We need to vent it out. We need to – Oh, yeah. If you're angry, go punch a pillow, go scream. Like, you've heard these suggestions, right? Right. And up until recently, I was seeing these suggestions. Yeah. And here's the thing. When we're in that state of just heavy anger, heavy, like, any of those really heavy emotions like that – If we vent it out, punch a pillow, scream, throw something, even like squishy, soft toys, pillows, whatever, it doesn't actually reduce our emotion. Mm -hmm. It increases it. Mm. And that's the exact opposite of what we want, right? We don't want that. And for the longest time- So you're saying that the mm -hmm. catharsis effect like increases and heightens emotion? It is not a, a relief of letting it out? Correct. What? That's Especially opposite of what I've like thought. Anger. Oh. Yeah. But then exactly. why does like okay, like for example, like exercise. Yeah. It's a physical form of activity. Mm. Is that different? Mm-hmm. That's different. Yeah. So oh. that's the distinction. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a distinction. Catharsis in general is not a bad thing. It's the way we go about catharsis. So When we are angry, yelling, punching a pillow and like throwing something, those are more aggressive acts. Those are not going to make us less angry. They're going to make us more aggressive and more angry. But if I'm angry and I instead go for a, you know, like a really heavy, quick, like runny kind of a walk, walk jog thing, that's regulative. I'm Mm -hmm. using my breathing. I'm moving my body, getting out this you know, oh, like anger energy out, that's that's going gotcha. to decrease my anger. So do you Ooh. see like the difference though? One is okay. like adding 
to the anger when it's taking away because it's more about regulating your nervous system. Yeah. There's no regulation when you're just like, yeah, like just punching a pillow or there's no regulation there. Exactly. Because think about it. You're using more energy and you're keeping Mm -hmm. your level of anger up because if you're punching it, you have to like use this force and like you're angry still. So that's the difference. So the same concept applies to verbal venting. When we engage in verbal venting Mm -hmm. for the sake of verbal venting, just for the sake of being in a hostile, aggressive mood and saying hostile, aggressive words and tone Mm -hmm. of voice, we stay at that state. We are not actually having a productive venting session. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if we're, I'm in a, in a heightened state of like, can you believe this person did this and they did this? And like, how dare they? I didn't deserve yeah. this. You know, you're stuck in that high heightened state of anger and you it's tend like to cycle. ruminate. Yeah. Yeah, you're saying it's like it's a cycle. Spiral. You ruminate. You're spiraling. Yeah. Exactly. You're not actually processing and coming down from it. But instead, if you go, <sighs> like, this is what happened. And it's just, it was really frustrating. And like, you're breathing through it and like, you're taking a minute to process, even if you're trying to do it in the moment, mm-hmm. you'll get a different outcome. Mm. That's you're good. not ruminating in it. That make, that's new to me. I yeah. I didn't realize that. Yes. Fascinating. Yeah, it so, is. The um, article goes on to talk about some skillful venting skills. <laughs> skillful and, venting. Okay. Yeah. And here are the skills that it talks about and it covers in the skillful venting section. It says, choose when you vent. So basically, Mm -hmm. you know, like take some time to understand the situation, gain some distance from the situation so you don't get sucked in and stay at that heightened level. And once you've regulated, once you've had a little bit of time to process, you can vent and process as you're venting or just vent Mm -hmm. and receive feedback. Um. And the second thing is ask for their perspective or an alternative Mm -hmm. way to perceive the situation. So again, going back to what we were saying, healthy venting and productive venting is all about trying to get somebody else's feedback. It's a two-way street, not just you venting at their face. Um, So things like, how should I think about this differently? What do you think? What should I have done in this situation? Or what should I do now moving forward? You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. To start getting some fresh eyes on the situation. Yeah. yeah. The third skill I talk about in skillful venting is be selective of who you vent to. I think that's an mm-hmm. underrated one. You know, it is important to consider like, did this person really help me last time when I talked to them? Or did mm-hmm. they just end up making me feel worse inevitably because. Right. I mean, it matters, right? Especially when we're younger. I don't know about you, Michelle, but when I was younger, I had two kinds of friends. I had the one kind of friend who would, if I was mad, they'd get mad. If I was, you know, angry, they'd get angry for me, you know, on my behalf. And so, like, that would have been the person not to vent to because it wouldn't have been a productive venting. Yeah. The other kind of friend that I needed to vent to is, you know, the kind of friend that would just kind of sit and be like, oh, yeah, that kind of sucks. I am mad for you. Well, why did that happen? You know, they'd be a little bit more curious, a little bit more of a right. third party instead of involved, you know, muddying it up, the situation. Right. And the last skillful venting that they talk about is <laughs> avoid online venting. I mean, that's just good sense, oh. right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. If you this vent online, sense. you will deal inevitably with bullying or trolling. <laughs> It's comment section, (laughs) comment section, Mm -mm. tweets. Yeah, not worth it, guys. Not worth it. Vent in person. (laughs) Don't vent online. (laughs) Um, And then the last article I want to talk about today is our favorite, Psychology Today. (laughs) Oh, So, I know, of course, Psych Today. There was an article on Psych Today by CBT therapist Dr. Kate Gapinski. And... Some of the 
key points in the article were as follows. One, anger is generally a secondary emotion underneath which we protect more vulnerable feelings such as sadness, hurt, fear, or jealousy. Mm. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Anytime we're angry, usually it's not just anger. Usually we are in a self-protective mode against mm. something that we are hurt by. So there's an underlying emotion behind the anger, which mm-hmm. makes sense. And I think that's a great key point because I think it highlights the fact of like, yeah, when you're venting, vent, no big deal. But like if you need a place to look of what's really going on, consider that. Why is your anger coming up for you? What is it trying to protect? What icky, sad, defensive, hurt feeling is it trying to mask? Hmm. That makes sense. Very insightful. Yeah. That's why I love anger. I think it's like – it's like the protective older brother who just – Makes oh things gosh. worse unintentionally. When you, when you say anger, like when you – like immediately the inside out character popped up in my I head. <laughs> did you see the trailer for the second movie, I was by just going to say I so did exciting. and I'm so excited. <laughs> I thought of you immediately but I was like, I'm going to bring it up. So. I, love that. <laughs> I love that I listed this reaction in you. But yes, I saw it immediately and I was so excited. I was like, oh my god, we're going to get like – I think we're getting anxiety, I think, right? Mm-hmm. That that one's confirmed mm-hmm. and we don't know the other ones, but I'm yeah. so I think excited. That, yeah. Yeah. They're, like the anxiety <laughs> had baggage and she was like, oh, we wanted to make a good first impression and everyone's impression. like, we. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I, I hate these teasers though because now I'm like excited and I have to wait so long. I'll forget about it. <laughs> I know. It's not that long. I think it's next summer. So – it's too long. It's too long. I can't. I, I can't know. do more than a month. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Side note. You were like, I love anger. And then the fire and the head. That's exactly what I think of, though. It's perfect. <laughs> like, <laughs> anger truly was the perfect depiction on screen right. of anger. I can't think of a better way to describe it. <laughs> he would vent, too, in that first movie. <laughs> yes. I loved it. I think it's time every time he would vent, it was unhealthy venting because every time it would just keep getting bigger in the fire. Yeah, it would just get worse and worse. Exactly. See, yes, I know. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Um, The second key point from this article Mm -hmm. was that anger has evolved to help us stay safe, and we become angry when we encounter perceived or imagined threat, as well as actual physical threat. I think that's a you know a little bit of a background on the why of anger, which makes sense, right? We've right. often talked yeah. about how all our feelings, all our parts are usually a um, protective feature mm-hmm. and usually have evolved in unhelpful ways as they show up to protect us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the third key point was venting anger is likely to be helpful only if it is non-physical and is combined with a new interpretation of the experience. I really like that. I'm going to repeat it. Venting anger is likely to be helpful only if it is non-physical and is combined with a new interpretation of the experience. Mm, so that's productive venting. So in other words, exactly. it's productive when you have when you're going into it to gain a new perspective. Exactly. Right? And what was the first part? Open to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the first part was that. it's helpful when there's non-physical venting, you know, so right. not like trying to punch a pillow right. or <laughs> right. Right. Um, going back to, again, like taking that space to verbalize our thoughts, verbalize our feelings, mm-hmm. process through what happened, and then create a meaning. So – our feelings come from our perceptions of the event. The event itself might be a neutral event. You know, for example, I use this all the time in therapy. Like, for example, if you bump into somebody at the mall, you can have one of two reactions. Well, you can have a lot. We'll just focus on two. Yeah. One, you might think, oh, it was an accident. They were on their phone. They didn't see me. No big deal. Your feeling from that perception is going to be neutral. You're just going to be like, that's okay. Yeah. It's cool. The second perception could be if it was anger of like, wow, like they're on their phone. They don't even bother looking where they're going. Like they even saw me probably and they still bumped into me. So rude. That belief system is going to make you angry, Mm -hmm. right? 
So our feelings come from our perceptions of the event. The event itself was neutral. Which makes sense. Somebody bumping into yeah. you. But how you see that event is how you feel about the event. So that's what this yeah. piece is saying. So venting anger is likely to be helpful only if it's non-physical and combined with a new interpretation of the experience. If through processing it, you can come to a place of, well, maybe my perception wasn't necessarily right. Maybe the perception was this. Maybe it was this. Even if it's true or not, just going through the motions of what another perception could look like reduces yeah. your anger. That makes sense. This is very, very yeah. eye-opening and insightful. This is a good topic. Yeah. I'm like glad. <laughs> and the last key point from this article was – <clears throat> excuse me, that techniques that calm the body in combination with purposeful delay of action can allow us to skillfully respond versus react to anger. Mm. Skillfully right? respond versus react. Mm-hmm. Techniques that calm the body in combination with a purposeful delay of action allows us to skillfully respond versus react to anger. So calming techniques are important. Yeah, which is, you know, again, at the end of the day, just regulating. So whether that's, you know, through breathing, through taking a walk and just getting some distance to process. And basically that second piece of take time to think through and process through what's happening. Don't immediately right. react. Don't immediately jump to venting. Take a minute to process, to breathe, to regulate, do what you need to do, and then come into a place of venting. You'll be much more in a place and open to be productive. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So my takeaways from my research today, all of the takeaways that I had, mm -hmm. um, other than literally everything I just said, <laughs> was that, um, you know, chatting with friends definitely can help us bring, you know, closure and a sense of understanding and a sense of peace. And it can be helpful to vent. Mm -hmm. But it's just how we vent that really matters. You know, if we're venting right. from a place of, you know, heightened emotions and we're not really open to feedback yet, we're very defensive still. We're just it it's just not helpful. And that's gonna help mm -hmm. us stay stuck, if anything, from moving forward, from moving on, right. from learning anything. The problem is sometimes, like you said earlier today, Michelle, like in, in this day and age, like that's how we interpret venting as. We see venting as just this thing where you vent when you're mad. You don't vent to understand. You vent when you're mad. Right. Yes. I think nowadays we've given that other term, the healthy venting term. Like I, I need to process my emotions. Can we talk? If, you know, mm -hmm. people have gone to therapy and they know therapy speak of processing emotions <laughs> and whatnot. Therapy but venting mm -hmm. usually is reserved for that, like, I'm in an emotional state and I need to vent. I'm not yet in a place where I'm open to anything. I'm not calm yet. I just want to vent because I'm angry. I need somebody to listen. So I think it's important to recognize we as people give these things meaning. Right. So we can take it back. We can take it back. Whatever we call it. We can call it venting. We can call it processing. We can call it whatever. But we can take back these meanings and – allow ourselves to indulge in effective use of venting, effective use of processing. Again, whatever we want to call it, but at the end of the day, giving ourselves these skills, these tools to do it in a way that's helpful to us and productive to us. Right. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense to me. Mm -hmm. And as always, you know, the biggest helpful thing, I think, always regulate. Always, always, always learn how to have yes. a few different regulation tools in the back of your pocket anytime you need yep. it. Regulation <laughs> is the key. It really is in a lot of things mm -hmm. in how we approach life and how aligned we are in our choices and our values. Right. <laughs> how intentional. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for my um, educational component of today. <laughs> I learned um, a lot. I can share – you learned a lot? I'm so glad. I, I learned a lot too because I, I did not this, realize all of this went into it either. Well, like when I first – when we first discussed this is will be a talk topic, I was like, oh, yeah, this is easy. Like, you know, I, like, you know, this is something that we know and like – Yeah. We're very familiar with it. I didn't expect to like learn some so many new things about it. Majority of the stuff you said 
like not majority, not everything, but like a lot of the things that you mentioned. The little nuances of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Very eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. I know. I knew I knew they would be. That's why today when I started, I was like, I can't wait for you to see the research. <laughs> I'm excited. I was excited when I said that. I was like, ooh, there needs there's gonna be some new stuff then. I'm like, you're gonna <laughs> surprise me on this topic. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I also learned a lot of things doing this research and it really it challenged my notion mm-hmm. of what I believe to be true with venting. So yeah. it was like a fun topic to research today. It is. It seemed like it was a fun topic. Mm-hmm. It was confusing I'm at first. I was like, to wait, talk what? more about it. <laughs> yeah. You were probably going through like, well, it's like undoing a lot of things that we have been taught growing up or just in what we've seen in social media. Exactly. And, you know, mm-hmm. just media representation in general, like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. Shall we talk about my story? Yes. I'm ready. Okay. Let's do it. So I'll start off in a – I'm keeping my story pretty simple today, just kind of starting off like on a two-part, maybe a little okay. bit about high school and college and like what mm-hmm. my experience with venting was like then and then <laughs> post being a therapist and post-therapy version, you know, I feel like most of my life can literally be categorized as pre-therapy and post-therapy. <laughs> and that's, I feel like that's for me too. It's a big yeah. pivotal point when you like – do lots of work through therapy, you know, and it really is. It just changes the way you see things and process right. things. So, kind of is it does feel like a pre and post situation yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. So in in uh, high school and college, my primary experience with venting was definitely a bit more on the emotional dumping side. You mm-hmm. know, when you're that young and like heightened emotions and like heightened hormones are like definitely a thing. So I felt looking back now I had a lot of friendships where I guess I've always I mean I've I've joked about this but like I've always been the person that my friends come to to talk about stuff with um I take that I took it and I do take it as a compliment but that also meant (laughs) that as a you know young teen or like in early college going through a lot of transitions a lot of hormonal things a lot of freedom like change and suddenly and all that it did mean that I was on – I had ample opportunity in my friendships and the kinds of friends mm-hmm. I kept to be on the receiving end of being emotionally dumped on. So mm-hmm. I definitely had my fair share of energy vampires. Love them. Mm-hmm. Still do. Mm-hmm. But energy vampires, they were. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at the time, I was definitely a huge people pleaser stuck in the ropes of all of that and the, and the tangled – up in the ropes of all of that. So I didn't really have the vocabulary or the desire to set boundaries. And fortunately, young me, pre-therapy, didn't know how to do any of this mm-hmm. stuff. Unfortunately, what that meant was I did lose a couple of friends along the way when I didn't know what else to do. And like I, I couldn't just be emotionally dumped on and like right. almost like a in real life ghosting event. And it's not like <laughs> I actually tried to ghost people in real life. It was more so like finding excuses. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. And like never being, you know, direct with my boundaries like I should have been, but I didn't know how to. Um, and then valid. more so like, yeah, and more so when I got a little bit older, you know, like in college and everything and find my voice a little bit, still pre-therapy, but found my voice a bit recognized. Oh, I really don't have the space for this. I started voicing that a bit more. Um, and I remember with one, two friends actually in particular, you know, they had kind of reoccurring stuff happening in their life, whether with boys, you know, romance department, mm-hmm. whether with family, <laughs> like pressures department, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like a lot of their stuff was kind of repeating. I'm like, that's okay. I'm going to hold space for them. Sure. They're my friends. I don't mind them telling me like 20 times the same thing. That's okay. Yeah. But it, the frequency of it kept happening often and often and often, so much so that – I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was kind of a little bit of a silly goose. I'm being very generous here with the word silly <laughs> instead of something else. <laughs> and I took 18 hours, if you remember, and lots of extra Oh, I remember this. We talked yeah. about this. And I was in the honors program. All the, Oh, yes. it, was, it was some rough yeah. stuff. And 
Yeah, you remember. And I was juggling those insane decisions on top of these friendships that required a lot of you know, time and effort. And I was literally a walking zombie, burnt out all the time, as you can imagine, sleeping, standing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was in a place where I was kind of like forced to speak up and say something. And I, I did. And I was like, hey, I, I really want to talk about this. But like, I'm so sorry. I have like a a midterm and like a you know like a quiz a pop quiz a test yeah. and I gotta do this and I gotta do that like I really I want to talk to you but I just I really am running out of time tonight can we talk about this later and I, I did that enough and um obviously that person stopped you know reaching out as much mm-hmm. again because I couldn't hold the space the way they wanted me to hold the space I'm like right. that's okay that's right. valid for that to happen but it kind of sucks you know to not recognize the other end of what emotional dumping can look like, mm-hmm. the expectations and the disconnect that sometimes exists in friendships. Right. Um, and then now I have, I guess, one way or the other, whether I actively advocated or not, I, I guess you can think about it like this. I've weeded out the friendships that – were very one way, very emotional dumping, very draining and not very reciprocal um, Mm -hmm. through active boundaries and some just that fell through because of the nature of the relationship itself. And now I feel like I've surrounded myself with the kinds of friendships and relationships in my life where I create boundaries around leaning on friendships Mm. and I demand that of them like if they're like scared to be a burden I'm like no 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 I am free or you know I'm really just not free to me today but call me tomorrow let's I want to talk about this with you no let's talk about it and like I'll follow up make sure they talk about it so I've kind of cultivated the kinds of friendships and relationships where we can still lean on each other we can still be there for each other but we we can go about doing it in a way that's helpful for that person and for this person right both Mm -hmm. ends of it it's more reciprocal and like i said earlier it's just for the best anyway because sometimes when you're like oh like i want to talk about this you probably could use maybe a little bit extra time to process (laughs) you know still and like process your feelings and how you think about this before you jump into it otherwise have you ever had that moment where where you like vent with a friend and then you hang up but like you still have this energy in you and so you call another friend and meant to them yeah 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 it's because <laughs> you were in a heightened state you weren't even ready right. to properly right. vent you just wanted to be angry and share that yeah. anger yeah but if done right you don't have that need to do it you could just to like loop your people in to the situation mm-hmm. but you don't need you, know, you don't have that urge right So, yeah, that's my experience with venting. I feel like I had a pretty – and I I don't – I feel like my experience was very much like this is what I experienced, this is what I experienced. I want to – you know, disclaimer, I'm not saying I was not an emotional dumper when I was younger. 100% I'm sure I was. I cannot think of a specific example, but (laughs) I know I was definitely on the – the giving end of being an emotional dumper when you're young, you got all those hormones, you don't know how to regulate. You inevitably are, and that's okay. Yeah. But you know, now as adults we can do better if we don't know how. Right. In the past. We right. can learn now. Wow. Can we take a moment <laughs> and to like reflect and applaud how much you've grown? Just like based on I what you said. Yes. <laughs> like woohoo. Like look at like just hearing you talk about it and then also like being part of those different parts of your life and just also witnessing the growth in you is just so special. And your hard work and effort has really been fruitful. Like, look at you now, like, leading this whole podcast episode about it, you know? (laughs) Right? I agree. I agree. And you've definitely seen me through some of this change for sure. You know, you've Mm -hmm. been right front center audience for some of these, like, friendships and the way they've gone. And it, it was quite a journey. And you're right. I should take a pause and, like, be proud of myself because, honestly, like, that was not easy. My Mm -hmm. friendships were really important to me and I was a huge people pleaser in my friendships. So me having set these kinds of boundaries and the kinds of friends I hold space for now, like that is, that is huge. It's quite a change. 
You should go, little Anisha. You did it. Go, Anisha. (laughs) Woohoo. You did it, little girl. (laughs) You did it. No, like, it's, it's not easy, first of all, to like, reflect on and be aware of what you've been through and like how you've dealt with it and what and just like embracing boundaries setting them in friendships right and dealing and coping with the results whether you know whatever that means and looks like exactly but then again like you know coming on this app episode and podcast and like sharing your experience and sharing your thoughts like that's also not an easy task so like kudos to you for not only like doing like going through this journey and sharing your or like going through this or growing through this journey but also like being vulnerable and sharing your experience on here yes well thank you my love you're so sweet i always can count on your loving support my little cheerleader always (laughs) always (laughs) i'm doing a heart (laughs) me too heart back at you love you (laughs) love you (laughs) did you have like other things i don't want to like cut you off we finish with your story. No, that's that's about it. That has been my experience with venting and work in progress, ongoing. But okay. that's it for now. <laughs> no, it was very insightful too. Like you kind of tied your education research piece well to your story. You know, like how it can show up in our relationships, mm-hmm. like friendships, and how yeah. it can take, how you can kind of deal with it too I love the examples that you gave right like the setting boundaries and how you can like I love the tangible examples you gave yeah I don't have space right now or I don't have I would love to talk about this tomorrow or can I call mm-hmm. you back in, in an hour I really really exactly. love those suggestions and like yeah. strategies yeah because it puts I think you in a place of good practical. intent yeah and it yeah, puts you exactly. in a place of good intent exactly it shows the person like hey i love you i want to be here for you but you know life is happening and like unless it's absolutely an absolute emergency i really need to get back to you on this you know i think that is healthy and it needs to happen more Mm -hmm. yeah and the tiny little not tiny little still it's still there the little people pleaser in me Mm -hmm. is like still like you know that's hard if yeah. you're a people pleaser and you've been people pleasing your relationships and your friendships for a long time, even saying something like that is a big deal. It's a big task. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just take us for example. How like how much do we really like? We're constantly showing up for each other with lots of love, no judgment, constantly yeah. making space for one another. And yet, even when we talk to each other, we're still like, "I'm so sorry. I love you. Thank you so much for understanding." And like, yeah. we like still do that whole yeah. you know song and dance. So like, it is. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. And I know. It and is. I know. Like, I can take the space with you, and I still want you to know. Like, I really appreciate yeah. you. <laughs> I know. Every time. I know. Like the number of times you told me to take space. Even though I didn't want, like, you know, the people pleaser in me was like, no, I can't do that. You're no, like, Michelle, I'm telling you. <laughs> do it. Do yeah. it now. <laughs> no, no, I don't need it. <laughs> what Aww. a cutie. I know. It's a struggle, but it is. it's okay. It, it's these kinds of friendships that at least allow us to experiment, make sure we feel mm-hmm. safe in those environments mm-hmm. to try that Judgment out. Judgment-free. Right. We get to trial our learnings from therapy with each other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sending lots of hearts your way <laughs> yes I really really resonate with you when you said like pre-therapy post-therapy like it's a time period you know like pre, yeah. pre-therapy pre and post-therapy is is a big deal like it's pretty prevalent for me too like I was very different in some ways like pre-therapy on how I coped and how I dealt how I vented right like all mm. these different there was such a there's such a huge change in me and difference in me now that I've gone I've been going to therapy for a while yeah um so I kind of have my story a little bit structured that way too but mine is more focused on family so it's nice we'll balance each other out I love it. it's like friendships and I have like the family perspective well-rounded so, together <laughs> right there you go so venting when I was thinking of this topic I think I don't know if you've seen these memes of like in videos of like daughters and sons like joking about being their parents' therapists. Have you seen like those memes and TikToks uh-huh. and videos? Like yeah. all, everybody joking like, "Oh yeah, I'm like my parents' therapist." That's that's my or being if you're the eldest daughter or you're like 
even yeah. like an only child, like you take that responsibility mm-hmm. to help your parents cope. Um, and I feel like I've talked about this before too, but this kind of goes hand in hand to this topic as well is that I feel that I've experienced that at a very young age. Whenever I can think about this, like my parents venting and me having to like, not even venting, not healthy venting, unhealthy venting, which is the emotional dumping, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'll use that term, like the emotional dumping, right? Whenever there was any family drama or something that's happened, an issue or challenge or a problem, I would be in the living room listening to my parents emotionally dump everything on me, you know? And this, these memories go back to like all the way till I'm like all the way back to when I was school age, you know, I wasn't even that, like not even high school or middle school yet. Um, And I think for me, I have most of these memories with my mom because, and I I adopted this from her too, the overthinking episode in the past, like she overthinks and ruminates a lot. She tends to do that. She's better now, but she used to do that a lot too. Mm -hmm. And she would kind of, overthink spiral repeatedly she would repeat things over and over again and I would just listen like I would be sitting there with her and listening and it would be very unproductive like it would go on and on and on there was Mm -hmm. no intention right for a solution there wasn't like we talked about there wasn't a regulatory process that happened prior like it was immediately when my Mm -hmm. mom was heightened in her emotions and she was just kind of bouncing back and forth from that um, and that wasn't too healthy for me either, right? Because I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I would say like pre-therapy, you know, I definitely adopted that mentality because I thought mm-hmm. it was normal. And any like any issue that I would deal with and I would tend to overthink with, with I would also vent. Um, it would happen over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um and this is pre-therapy. So, of course, like during th- – that was like one of the reasons I started therapy too. It was like I noticed these different things about me. It was like, oh, I don't like the fact that I'm overthinking this. I don't like yeah. the fact that this is – the same thought is coming back in my mind over and over again. And mm-hmm. and would that would lead to me like to vent. And I think my person that I would undeniably vent to was actually my sister and um, mm-hmm. my fiancé or my boyfriend at that time before therapy. But – my fiance mm-hmm. and it would be it would not be healthy like I would kind of and my like I so appreciate my sister because she like really helped me feel safe and mm. I never felt like I never felt like I was people pleasing with her like I always felt comfortable like picking up the phone and calling her but you mm-hmm. know we've had some productive conversations about this too where I was I, like you know it would be sometimes multiple times if I was having a hard time like coping with something and I would kind of vent mm-hmm. to her immediately and it would happen mm-hmm. a lot around around a similar mm-hmm. issue. And I think therapy really, really helped me catch and adopt the regulatory piece that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Because I was I, when you when I do therapy, I'm talking to a professional. So I'm feel like my beginning stage of therapy was focusing on how I can control my physical reactions. Or regulate my physical reactions. So when I would overthink, like I could feel my heart beat fast, like my sometimes my like chest would tighten, Mm -hmm. or like I like would shake or like fidget a lot. And so that was like a big piece of my beginning stage of therapy when I started was like how can I decrease those or how can I help myself regulate? So I love that you said Mm -hmm. like tools in your back pocket. Like I have a toolbox now that where I use to like regulate my emotions. And so once I achieved that, right, slowly my emotional dumping on my sister like kind of went away and mm-hmm. it started becoming like healthy venting sessions during therapy where I'm mm-hmm. processing, I'm doing talk therapy, I'm processing my experience and I'm trying to be open to view my events and experiences in a different light, in a different perspective, yeah. what we talked about. Yeah. And so that was kind of like my pre and post, like my personal experience. Sorry, I like jumped around a little bit. But like it started from adopting for my mom. And of course, mm-hmm. I'm still to this day trying to convince my entire family to do therapy because it's so healthy. But, you know, <laughs> we, we've talked about this. So when it going back to my parents, um, my I talked about my mom a little bit, but 
my dad, his was a little different. He would kind of sometimes he keeps like things very internal. Like he would internally process a lot of things. And then if there was an inconvenience that he faced or if he was challenged, then it was like a long session of venting or a long list Mm -hmm. was shared. Mm -hmm. And I feel that I have – I, like, through therapy, like, I've learned to, like, set boundaries when that those things types of things happen with my mom and dad. Um, mm-hmm. I think in a little some ways, like, I've helped model maybe unconsciously and subconsciously mm-hmm. on how to, like, regulate. But mm-hmm. it's very, very, very prevalent in both of my parents, the emotional dumping and the trauma dumping. Like, even yeah. something simple as, like, me and my mom going for a walk. And then there's something, mm-hmm. you know, happening with her family or our family and the whole walk kind of turns into like the emotional dumping session. So I think it goes back to like one of our previous episodes, right? There's a lot of intergenerational trauma in play <clears throat> when it comes yeah. to family and venting and emotional dumping, trauma dumping. But like you said, it could become very, very energy draining and it could become like, you know, could require a lot of time and energy Um, Mm -hmm. so I do like sometimes catch myself like of course I'll hold space for my parents when they're venting or emotional dumping but I'll like kind of not set boundaries in a very subtle way like hey like how about you talk to this person directly about what's going on Mm -hmm. instead of telling me you know like have you tried to talk Mm -hmm. to this person like trying to help them see a new perspective but not directly you know (laughs) and sometimes it's been worked and then sometimes like no I don't want to or like you know that doesn't doesn't work like that or whatever the reasoning is right but that's kind of been my experience in my childhood home that like emotional dumping and trauma dumping has been very normalized and so Mm -hmm. when I was removed from my household and I was away from my parents and going to school and going to college that's when I realized that this is not normal and I need to mm-hmm. do something about it. And I was like seeing the reactions I would have when I would have to vent, right? Like the physical reactions, the heightened anxiety that I would feel. Yeah. And I think when reflecting on how I felt during those times, I think you're absolutely right. Whenever I would um, vent to my sister or emotionally dump on my sister, I would stay up there. Like, you know, if I hadn't regulated myself, like my feelings and anger or whatever I'm feeling in those in that moment, the heightened feelings, it would stay and I would spiral. I would go back and forth and I would kind of ask my sister questions to like look for validation, but it wouldn't really do anything because again, my feelings were heightened. Right. Yeah. You were like confirmation bias. Like you agree too, right? Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. This isn't okay. Right. You agree, right? Like that validation right. of I'm right. justified. And like you probably are justified, but just because we're justified doesn't mean it's always helpful to like sit in that justification, right? Like, yeah. 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 So that's my experience with healthy versus unhealthy venting. Mm. You've had quite a journey too. <laughs> I know. It's insane how much things have changed, right? Pre to post. I'm telling you, I think it's time. In our podcast, we start calling it BT before therapy, AT after therapy. <laughs> BT, that's what it feels like. BT, you can call it, you know, PTPT, pre therapy, post therapy. They're, they're both yeah. PTs. <laughs> we call it BT and AT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that you pointed out the other side of it. You know, we didn't plan it, but this worked out great, you know the friend side of it, the family side of it, like what mm-hmm. that can look like. But right. not just that. Like, thank you for sharing, you know, the the emotional, like in your body, emotional, um, not emotional, like the physical sensations that can come up when holding the space of venting, this anger, this mm-hmm. unregulated, what that looks like and, you know, right. the kind of difference it makes when you can't regulate. And everybody knows it. Everybody's felt it. But like, Sometimes we forget to make that connection of like, oh, yeah, th- these kinds of things that we talk about, 
it's a three it's a three piece thing it's our right. thoughts it's our feelings like emotions and our feelings mm-hmm. like our sensations and right i think the last piece tends to get forgotten often but mm-hmm. yeah, it's a big part of it too it's a big it part is. of that equation it is yeah well thank you for sharing michelle and i'm i'm yes. very proud of you too mm-hmm. and all of the thank you you know struggle that it can be to get to this place especially because like you said you know most of us don't really have this model to us. It's not until college mm-hmm. where we get exposed to so many different diverse people and backgrounds and experiences that we realize this is not like normal, quote unquote normal right. in the sense that this isn't what everybody experiences. Yeah. And that's when it's time to really challenge that notion of, so should I be doing this or should I be trying something else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a journey, but I'm proud of you. Go little Michelle and big Michelle. (laughs) Go little Anusha and little Michelle. Love it. We're killing it. It's a struggle bus, but we're we're killing it. We're gonna keep going. It's okay. It's it's a work in progress. That's the right right terminology. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I suppose that's the end in the wrap of our. Shall I wrap up? Topic today on mentoring. I hope everybody learned a little something. (laughs) Yes. Should I wrap up for us? Yes. Let's do it. All right, everyone, if anything resonated with you or if you would like to share your thoughts or feedback, you can reach out to us at our email, talksouthasiantome at gmail.com, or you can also DM us at the socials and our handles are at, our handle is at talksouthasiantome. All right. Bye. Bye. Catch you at the next one. <laughs> Woo-hoo.